Good Monday morning. Israel ramping up its air assault on Gaza. But is the ground invasion on hold? It's October 23rd. This is today. Breaking overnight, Israel carrying out the most intense airstrikes of the war. Fears growing. The violence could spread to other parts of the Middle East. We don't want to see a second or third front develop. And this morning, reports the U.S. is encouraging Israel to delay a ground invasion. In Gaza, a convoy of much-needed aid just arriving overnight. We're live with the very latest. Clinging to hope, families of hostages being held by Hamas meeting with Israel's president this morning after two Americans were released over the weekend inside the new push to bring hundreds home. They're running. Nine new Republicans throw their hats into the House Speaker's race as the chaos and paralysis head into a third week, the key meeting set for today. Expanding the search, police intensifying the manhunt for the suspect accused of killing a Maryland judge who oversaw his divorce proceedings. We're going to catch this guy. Just ahead, the new leads and reward in the case. All that plus costume controversy. Hollywood stars lashing out at their own union over its rules for strike-friendly Halloween outfits. No popular TV and movie characters by many actors are booing that decision. Today, Monday, October 23rd, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today on a Monday morning. You're glad, glad to have you along with us this morning. And we want to get right to the latest out of the Middle East. Yeah, the first relief shipment since the start of the war arriving in Gaza. Trucks crossing in from Egypt carrying water and food, medical supplies. And the U.S. and Israel are vowing a, quote, continued flow of aid. In the meantime, the first of more than 200 hostages taken by Hamas were released over the weekend. Two Americans, a mother and a daughter from the Chicago area, they are staying, they were staying with relatives in Israel, are still in Israel at this hour. All of this comes amid a backdrop of rising tensions and new fears of a border, a broader war. Secretary of State Antony Blinken saying on Meet the Press, we expect that there is a likelihood of escalation. We've got complete coverage this morning. We're also going to talk to Martin Fletcher, NBC's former Tel Aviv bureau chief, who was actually related to those two released hostages. But we begin with NBC's chief foreign correspondent, Richard Engel. Richard, good morning. Uh, good morning, Savannah. When the United States talks about a likelihood of escalation, this is the area that they are talking about. We are in northern Israel, right on the Lebanese border. In fact, you see these hills behind me, right on the opposite side of them. That is Lebanon. That is area that an area that is controlled by Hezbollah. So if this war were to escalate, rockets from Hezbollah would come over that hill into Israel. But the big news today is these reports from uh, from the Israeli media all over the Israeli television newspapers that the ground assault into Gaza, long anticipated, might be delayed, but only the ground assault, because for now, airstrikes into Gaza are intensifying. NBC's team in Gaza say last night saw the most intense Israeli airstrikes since Israel began its bombing campaign after Hamas killed 1,400 Israelis and took hostages. Medical officials in Gaza say it was also the deadliest night, with hundreds of Palestinians killed from northern Gaza to the south. Our crew filmed an elderly man and woman pulled from the rubble this weekend. And rescue workers believe 
Many are still buried. But what about Israel's ground offensive? Thousands of Israeli troops and tanks are in position for an assault into Gaza. But this morning, multiple Israeli media reports say the offensive may be delayed, pushed back for an undetermined period to give more time for negotiations led by Qatar to free what Israel now says are 222 hostages held by Hamas. Another reason for a possible delay? The United States is hardening its defenses in the region because if or when Israel invades, a regional war could quickly spread to Lebanon, where Hezbollah has been stepping up attacks against Israel, and even potentially to Iran, which backs both Hezbollah and Hamas. Diplomacy is in high gear with a peace summit this weekend in Cairo. Some aid is now getting into southern Gaza, with dozens of trucks packed with medical supplies, food and water coming from Egypt after long delays and diplomatic wrangling. Israel blames Hamas for the high death toll among Palestinian civilians, accusing the group of hiding in built-up areas. The Israeli military released footage of what it says are Hamas locations near mosques and schools. But while aid is trickling in, hundreds of American Palestinians remain camped out near the Egyptian border, trying to leave. This is the life in Gaza right now. And you are in jail and you are under bombardment all the time. Qasim Ali was visiting his mother in Gaza when the war broke out. Mr. Biden worried about the Israelis Americans, but us as Palestinians Americans, or especially as Gazans Americans, I never heard from anybody. It is unclear why those American citizens stuck in Gaza, not the hostages, just the ones stuck on the border, haven't been able to cross into Egypt with all sides blaming each other. Savannah. All right. Richard Engel, thank you very much. As Richard mentioned, the hundreds still being held hostage by Hamas. And in the wake of the release of those two Americans, there's a new push by families for their loved ones to be freed. NBC's chief international correspondent, Keir Simmons. He's got more. Hey, Keir, good morning. Hello, good morning to you. NBC News has new details of the daily high-stakes diplomacy to try to free hostages, even as this morning Israel says its overnight raids into Gaza were in part an effort to locate them. The talks a race against time, with Israel still talking of a ground invasion. Overnight, desperate families meeting with the Israeli president, with little news of what Israel this morning now says are at least 222 hostages, including 20 children being held by Hamas. Three days ago, Americans Judith and Natalie Renan were released. Just a letter to get you out. A diplomat with knowledge of the talks describing to NBC News intense daily dialogue with many ups and downs. How did it feel when you learned the two American hostages? Okay, so all my body was like this. I was shaking. The family of hostage Adan Alexander speaking to NBC News' Zinkle Ezemwa. Alexander, a New Jersey high school graduate, was serving as an Israeli Defense Force soldier. I just hope that... They will bring him home and my soul will come back to me. The small Gulf nation, Qatar, is mediating the hostage crisis, talking directly to both Hamas and Israel, we're told. Those conversations gained momentum after Secretary Blinken visited Qatar on October 13th, but went quiet after the Gaza hospital explosion days later. 
Now, what the diplomat with knowledge of the talks calls an olive branch, the release of Judith and Natalie Renan. A day later, the first trucks of food and medicine allowed into Gaza. Not a trade, we're told, but positive steps. This morning, with Israel warning a full ground invasion is coming, the need to free the hostages, 10 of them US citizens, a pressing diplomatic priority. And how did that diplomat we spoke to tells us that Israelis are not willing to talk until all the hostages are released, but express the hope that if Hamas did release the hostages, it may lead to dialogue or even mediation. This morning, Hoda, that possibility does seem a long way off. Hoda. That's indeed. All right, Keir Simmons, for us there in London. Keir, thank you. We want to bring in Martin Fletcher, former Tel Aviv bureau chief for NBC News, and those two freed hostages, <laughs> Judith and Natalie Renan from Evanston, Illinois, near Chicago, are actually extended members of Martin's own family. Mm-hmm. Good morning, Martin. I'm sure you're just breathing a sigh of relief that the two mm-hmm. of them are okay. How are they doing? Have you been able to hear word? Well, we know they're resting. They're in a, in, a, in a family member's house in Israel, and they're actually sitting shiver at the moment, you know, the Israeli week of mourning for two other members of the family who were killed. So there's great relief, obviously, um, but great concern as well. And, other, and there's another eight members of the family who are still held hostage in Gaza. Is there some hope now that some hostages have been released? Is that the feeling that maybe there are more to come? I can't tell you how many messages I'm getting from people for saying, Thank God your family is out. Can you help us with my family? I'm getting those messages all the time. So there's hope that there's more negotiations going on. There must have been some kind of deal to let Judith and Natalie out. Um, Everybody wants to get in on the deal. Do you have any insight into why it was they were the two that were selected? Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't. Everybody's asking whether it was the publicity, those those two, you know. uh, Maybe they were the closest to the board and it was simply the easiest to free them when the time came. You know, we don't know what it Mm -hmm. was yet. It's awful what we're seeing here, the humanitarian catastrophe unfolding Mm. in Gaza, obviously the slaughter that happened on October 7th. Now there's word that the U.S. is encouraging Israel to just put its ground invasion Mm -hmm. on hold for the purpose of of hoping Mm -hmm. that some of these hostages could be released. Mm -hmm. What do you make of those news reports? Well, first of all, it's a good thing for Israel in the sense they have more time to gather intelligence, more time to train the the reserve soldiers. Don't forget the 300,000 reserve soldiers suddenly caught up into the army, they're not on the, they're not on the ball, you know, so they need mm-hmm. training, so there's more time to train them. But at the same time as there's, it's, it's interesting, the same time as there's pressure inside Israel to take on Hamas and end this problem once and for all, you've got 300,000 families of the reservists mm-hmm. worrying about their children, their boys and girls who have joined the army and are about to go into fight. I had a message from, from one friend, he's got four sons in, in the army right now. And I said to him, so what do you think about Hamas, and now you've got your boys. What do you think? What's this? Mm. You must be an emotional roller. What do you think? You just started crying. Mm. All right. Well, Martin Fletcher, <clears throat> Martin, thank you so much. We're happy some of your loved ones are home with you. Yeah, thank you. Keep thank in you. touch, Martin. Thank you. All right. Meantime, uh, police in Detroit are searching for a suspect in a motive in the fatal weekend stabbing of a prominent synagogue leader. Investigators stressing they found no evidence of a hate crime in this case, but it does come as communities nationwide are ramping up security amid an increase in anti-Semitic incidents since those Hamas terror attacks. NBC's Jesse Kirsch in Detroit with more. Hey, Jesse, good morning. Hoda, good morning. No question, these are tense times, but police here actually made a point of saying that so far they have not found any evidence pointing to anti-Semitism as the motive of the alleged murder of this beloved local Jewish leader. Samantha Wall was the board president of this downtown Detroit synagogue, and this morning it is just one of the communities now filled with grief. 
At her funeral on Sunday again and again, Samantha Wall was remembered as one of Detroit's brightest lights. So deeply wanted peace for this world. You fought for everyone, regardless of who they were or where they came from. Police say the well-known community leader was found near her home early Saturday, repeatedly stabbed and killed. Just shocked that anybody could do anything so cruel to one of the kindest human beings on the planet. So far, authorities have not announced a motive in the Jewish leader's alleged murder. But as the Israel-Hamas war weighs heavily on so many Americans, Detroit's police chief emphasizing no evidence has surfaced suggesting that this crime was motivated by anti-Semitism. What kind of stress does something like this and the possibility of what's out there uh, put on the Jewish community in these times? I think it's unfortunate that we're living in a world where we have to make the connection or not have to make, but we um, so many of us um, go there to make the connection um, to an anti-Semitic hate crime. Multiple law enforcement officials briefed on the investigation tell NBC News there was no sign of forced entry or defensive wounds. Sources also say investigators found a large Israeli flag that appeared to be untouched. Still, authorities across the country are increasingly concerned about attacks on Jewish Americans, Arab Americans, and Muslim Americans. In Minneapolis, police say witnesses reported someone drove a vehicle through a pro-Palestinian demonstration Sunday, though there were no reported injuries. Outside Chicago late yesterday, with pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian groups gathering, Police say someone nearby fired a gun in the air before being arrested. And in New York, some at a pro-Palestinian demonstration on Saturday clashed with police. The divisive moment we're going through right now makes Wall's death all the more heartbreaking because she has been described as someone who worked to bring different faith groups together. Hoda. All right, Jesse Kirsch for us there in Detroit. Jesse, thank you. Let's go to Washington now. New chaos on Capitol Hill. The House remains at a standstill and without a speaker nearly three weeks after the ousting of Kevin McCarthy. So following multiple failed bids to replace him, Republicans are back to square one today. They're set to hold a closed-door meeting to consider a new batch of hopefuls, nine of them. NBC's Capitol Hill correspondent Ryan Nobles is right here. So they were supposed to turn in their names. Raise your hand if you want to run. And they got nine names yesterday. Talk, walk us through it. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, Savannah. One member of Congress told us that there isn't anyone who five people won't vote against. And that's the biggest problem uh, that Republicans are dealing with right now. Of course, it comes after Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan failed to win the vote race for Speaker three different times on the House floor. The highest ranking Republican in this race right now is Tom Emmer of Minnesota, but he has issues. He was one of only two candidates in this race right now who voted uh, to certify the 2020 election. And that has drawn some opposition from the Trump wing of the party. Byron Donalds of Florida is now in this race. He is a big supporter of the former President Donald Trump, as is Mike Johnson of Louisiana. The other six candidates, we're talking about Jack Bergman of Michigan. He said that he'll only be a placeholder if he wins the job. Kevin Hearn of Oklahoma, Dan Muser of Pennsylvania, Gary Palmer of Alabama, Austin Scott of Georgia, and the veteran lawmaker Pete Sessions of Texas. But it's still unclear if any of these nine men have what it takes to get to 217 on the floor. Of course, if they can't do that, we will remain speakerless for the near future. Okay, so if they're going to have a meeting today, an internal meeting tonight, and then when might they vote again, go to the floor and try to get a speaker? Yeah, so they're all going to huddle behind closed doors yet again. It's worked so well up until this point, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but they're going to try again. They're going to have a candidate forum, and then they'll have multiple rounds of voting, hoping that someone emerges as the candidate. That could go uh, Tuesday morning is when the voting will take place. 
place. The hope is perhaps another vote on the floor as early as Tuesday afternoon with then the hope that they can start to move some of this very critical legislation through Congress. We're talking about a budget showdown. The uh, government shutdown is looming in November and, of course, aid to Ukraine and Israel. Okay, Ryan, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Ryan, good to see you in person, too, by the way. First time meeting you. All right. (laughs) Well, while you're wearing green, a lot of folks are feeling a little blue because it's chilly out there. 28 million people. Frost advisories freeze warnings from Erie, PA, down to Asheville, out to Indianapolis, and to Charlotte. We're looking at temperatures right now near freezing in Pittsburgh, 34, Blacksburg, 35, Scranton, 45. It's 47 in New York City, Springfield, Illinois, 43 degrees. But look, jet stream up to the north and Minneapolis today, you're going to be 64 degrees. Dallas, 81. We could see a few records today. St. Louis near 80 degrees. El Paso, Paso, 83. And then as we move into tomorrow, Harrisburg, you're warm. Buffalo up to 70 degrees. That's 14 degrees warmer than average. 14 degrees above average for Little Rock. It's 85 degrees today. Temperatures by late week, mid-70s in Boston, New York City, Washington, D.C., Cleveland, Ohio, and Cincinnati also. And that is your latest weather. Ladies. All right. Thanks, oh. Al. Thank you. Coming up, the manhunt expanding this morning for a suspect in the targeted killing of a Maryland judge in his own driveway. Stephanie Gosk is following the story. Steph, good morning. Good morning, Savannah. Police are offering a $10,000 reward for any information about 49-year-old Pedro Argote. They believe he may have killed this Maryland judge in his driveway when his wife and child were inside the home. We'll have all the information coming up. All right, Steph, thank you. Plus, a new wrinkle in the actor strike stars in an uproar over a union rule on what they can and cannot dress up as on Halloween. We're going to take, take a close look at the pushback. Also, where the talks are to bring back your favorite shows and movies. But first, this is Today on NBC. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with Chris Pine to talk about a career that has taken him from Star Trek to Wonder Woman, and now the new film he wrote, directed, and stars in called Pool Man. You can get our conversation for free wherever you download your podcasts. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. From compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the true crime original. starting this year. It is 7.30. Those are members of the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. Chanel's in for Craig. Good morning. That's part of your assignment. You Listen, got I, you know, they had a first album and I didn't hear much of it. And I was like, okay. So then when I heard a bit of the second album, yeah. listen, this transcends legit. football. Yeah. Like, this is legit. Okay. I saw Jason Kelsey in there. That was, yep. And here's wow. the thing. And money goes for a very good cause. So it's just a win all the way okay. around. So we'll talk yeah. about it. We're going to do some Look good forward to that. All right. Yeah. But first, we have a lot to get to this half hour. We're going to start with an urgent manhunt in Maryland for a suspect in the fatal shooting of a beloved judge. Police believe he was murdered because of his ruling in a divorce case just hours earlier. 
NBC's Stephanie Goss joins us with the latest on this. Stephanie, good morning. Hey, guys, good morning. Authorities are issuing a $10,000 reward for suspect Pedro Argote, who they believe is responsible for killing Judge Andrew Wilkinson. One key lead, the suspect's abandoned vehicle found minutes away from the murder scene. This morning, a massive search is underway for the alleged killer of a respected Maryland judge. Police releasing these images of 49-year-old Pedro Argote, who they say shot Circuit Court Judge Andrew Wilkinson Thursday night outside Wilkinson's house in Hagerstown, while his wife and son were at home inside. Argote is not in custody and is considered armed and dangerous. The vicious attack happened just hours after the judge awarded custody of Argote's four children to his ex-wife, according to court documents. Wilkinson also denied Argote visitation rights and ordered him to pay child support. Last year, Argote's now ex-wife filed a domestic violence petition against her ex-husband, but it was dismissed two weeks later. On Saturday, police recovered Argote's abandoned vehicle in a wooded area less than 10 miles away from the crime scene. We're going to catch this guy. Authorities say Argote has ties to multiple regions beyond the state of Maryland, including New York, Florida, Indiana, and North Carolina. It's just a matter of time before this subject uh, is brought to justice. An attorney for Argote's now ex-wife telling NBC News they have no information about the whereabouts of Mr. Argote, writing in a statement, Our hearts ache for Judge Wilkinson's family. Judge Wilkinson was a kind, caring, and compassionate individual. He will truly be missed. He acted with dignity in all times, and he always made decisions based on intellect and honesty. Now, as the suspect remains on the run, the tight community that Judge Wilkinson served is reeling from this senseless act of violence. This is not indicative of what this this town is. I mean, it's a tragedy. It is awful, and it's the world that we live in, and it's a shame. Stephanie, do you know anything more about this suspect, his past? So police say that they were actually called to his house twice in recent years for alleged verbal domestic violence. Um, But he has no criminal criminal record. He does own a gun. But again, police have not said anything about the murder weapon in this case so far. We reached out to the U.S. Marshal's office for comment and didn't hear back, guys. Okay, Stephanie, keep us posted. Thank you very much. All right. Still ahead, we've got an inside look at what Chip and Joanna Gaines are calling their most complicated project ever. But first, Chloe Velas is here with the big talker in Hollywood. Strike-friendly Halloween costumes? Good morning. Some rules around costumes for Halloween are causing some controversy amid the ongoing actor's strike. That's coming up after this. This year, I decided to really get into the spirit of Halloween. (laughs) My greased up head went into the pumpkin no problem, but it won't budge. I can't get it out. I never should have hollowed out this damn pumpkin in the first place. But then I realized I was being silly. I mean, the pumpkin should rot off of my head in a month or two. Right? (laughs) Just anything to play a clip from the office. You know, Halloween, that's how they do it, office-style. Hollywood loves to celebrate the holiday. But this year's going to look different because, of course, there's this ongoing actor strike. There is. So SAG-AFTRA is receiving criticism from its own members Mm -hmm. after it released guidance on what it calls strike-friendly costumes. It's intriguing. NBC's entertainment correspondent Chloe Malas is here with details. Good morning, Chloe. People are not happy with these rules. So good morning. Hollywood actors have been on strike for more 100 days. And while the battle between union leaders and the studios has been in the spotlight, 
This morning, with Halloween right around the corner, the union's crackdown on costumes is causing some controversy. Halloween in Hollywood has long been a spooky spectacle, with actors dressing up as iconic characters from TV and film. But this year, amid the longest strike in its history, SAG-AFTRA is advising its members to choose costumes inspired by generalized characters, saying don't post photos of costumes inspired by struck content. This rule means that members should avoid dressing up as popular characters like Super Mario, Wednesday Addams, and even Barbie, because doing so could be seen as promoting shows and movies for the studios. The announcement met with criticism online. Instead of fixing the problem, they're just coming up with these weird, crazy rules. Even top talent speaking out. Former SAG-AFTRA president Melissa Gilbert writing, literally no one cares what anyone wears for Halloween. Please tell me that you're going to make this rule go away and go negotiate. Ryan Reynolds taking a sarcastic jab, posting, I look forward to screaming scab at my eight-year-old all night. She's not in the union, but she needs to learn. In response, the union has clarified its stance, saying that the rules were meant to help members avoid promoting struck work, and it does not apply to anyone's kids. The crackdown comes as actors have been on the picket line for more than 100 days. Talks are set to resume tomorrow with the AMPTP, which represents studios and streamers, including NBC News's parent company, NBC Universal. It's the first time that both sides will meet since negotiations broke down nearly two weeks ago after union leaders said that they had asked streamers for an additional 57 cents per subscriber per year. Netflix CEO Ted Sarandos slammed that idea. It just felt... Uh, like a very like a bridge too far. Since then, A-listers, including George Clooney, Tyler Perry, and Scarlett Johansson, offering up a portion of their own earnings in an attempt to push the union towards a resolution, presenting a plan that would remove the cap on top-earning actors' dues and bring in $150 million over three years, as first reported by Deadline. But their pitch was turned down by the actors' union. Although that's extremely generous... And we accept that graciously the only contributions that can go into our pension and health funds must be from the employer. Now, with Hollywood on hold, pressure is mounting for both sides to make a deal. So what's ahead for this new round of negotiations? Well, tomorrow, the AMPTP and the Actors Union, they are going to officially meet at the bargaining table. But Ted Sarandos, he had an event at his home over the weekend, and he told Variety, look, we are optimistic. We want to get a deal done. And with Halloween, Thanksgiving, the holidays right around the corner, thousands of people out of jobs, this costing the California economy billions of dollars. If there is not a resolution, it really puts your favorite shows and movies and everybody's jobs and livelihoods on the line well past the holidays into the spring. And so it is a very perilous moment. And obviously, tomorrow's negotiation is a very, very big moment. Mm -hmm. All right. A lot of information there. Thank you, Chloe. Thank you, Chloe. Let's get another check Mm -hmm. of the weather. Mr. Roker. Hey, guys. All right. So we do have some uh, rough weather coming in for our friends down in Texas. Retraining storms dropping anywhere from one to two inches per hour. You can already see it on the radar. These are basically the remnants of Hurricane Norma colliding with Gulf Moisture, it's going to bring a low level of risk for, for, for 
flash flooding. However, we are going to see this rain moving up the coast and into the midsection of the country. On into tomorrow, gusty winds up to 30 miles per hour rainfall. Some places could pick up to five inches of rain in central Texas. So we're going to be watching this very, very closely. Got a mix of rain and snow up through the western and northern plains. Rounds of rain down through Texas. Eastern third of the country going to be gorgeous today. And that is your latest weather. Guys? Thank you. Coming up next, Taylor's got plenty to celebrate this morning. Epic game for Travis Kelsey. Another massive weekend for her movie. Give it up right after this. It's even happening outside right now. We're back. Carson's Oh, my gosh. Here. I thought that was at the game last night. No. We got a new batch <laughs> of Taylor Swift mania. Oh, we were bumping in with a shot from the game. Is this oh, no. so crazy? Plaza. That is here and now. Wow. Yeah. Good to be a pop superstar, isn't it? So Taylor stepped out to another Chiefs game yesterday. And while our movie continues to impress at the box office, of course, that means Emily Akeda has been uh-huh. working hard for us. Emily, good morning. Of course. Here I am. Yeah. Taylor Swift still in her red and gold era as she was back at Arrowhead Stadium. And this time she showed up prepared with a special friendship bracelet and even choreographed handshakes. Kansas City's most famous fan back in the stands. Taylor Swift cheering on star tight end Travis Kelsey for the fourth time this season, even sporting his number 87 in a friendship bracelet that was also adorned with hearts as the Kansas City Chiefs dominated the Los Angeles Chargers. And while the players celebrated on the field, Swift and Brittany Mahomes, the wife of Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, had their own fun. Kelsey on fire for National Tight Ends Day with his new apparent good luck charm in the stands. Kelsey keeps getting better with time. Um, um, Taylor can stay around all she wants. Um. The Chiefs are now four for four with the pop star in attendance. Kelsey and Swift left the stadium hand in hand following the win and Kelsey appearing to give his seal of approval after being called Swift's boyfriend. Hours before the game, the cruel summer singer appearing with NFL legend Bernie Kosar at a pregame party, capping off another blockbuster weekend for Swift's Eras Tour concert film. And while many Swifties are now looking ahead to the re-release of Swift's 1989 album this week, many are wondering where Swift and Kelsey might be spotted next, especially after their surprise visit to Saturday Night Live last weekend. Once again, Ice Spice. The singer has also been seen several times with Today Show favorite Donna Kelsey, but Travis and his older brother Jason, who plays for the Eagles, lovingly teasing their dad after he met the global sensation. All he's doing is just absolutely pumping her up. He started listening to her music a little more. Thanks, Dad, for not making me look bad, brother. And guys, speaking of what's next for the pair, Travis will have a break from games in early November. The same time, Taylor is performing in Argentina for the Eras Tour. So maybe this apparent love story will be going international quite soon. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe jet lag for the other teams. They love <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah, Get exactly. him on the road. That's right. it. Yeah. Coming back with red eyes. was to see Papa Kelsey? I didn't yeah. know. Who knew? I never saw him before. Either. That's good stuff. All right. Emily, thanks. Thank you. All right, guys, coming up, needing more reasons to head to Las Vegas? Well, we've got you covered on Popstart. We're going to tell you about you too, Savannah. I mean, that sphere thing was so cool. Also, Adele's plans to extend her stay there. Coming up. 